Hi, I'm Richard Forrest. I'm part of the leadership of Hope MSC. I'm on the Jelly Tots team and I led Triangle for around seven years. Today we're looking at Luke 21 verses 5 to 38. It's titled The Destruction of the Temple and Signs of the End Times. As you can see it's quite, long, quite a long passage so I'm not going to read it all out but you might like to pause and read it for yourself. Okay, here we go. Jesus' disciples are marvelling at the temple when Jesus tells them that it will be destroyed completely. Understandably, the disciples are shocked. They have two questions. When will this be and what will be the sign? Does Jesus answer their questions? Well, no, he never does. But he does use their questions to talk to them about things that are going to happen. That is, false messiahs, wars, disasters, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, signs in the sun, moon and stars, and of course the final judgment. But before any of these things happen, he warns the disciples they're going to be persecuted, that is, seized, put in prison and dragged before councils, etc. That's in verses 12 to 19. And it's this persecution that I would like to talk to you about. So I'm going to read the these verses out to you. That's verses 12 to 19. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. So, I wonder what the disciples' reaction to this was. Not exactly ecstatic, I would imagine. Yet, according to the book of Acts, when the persecution does arrive, the disciples have a sort of bring-it-on attitude. They're able to face imprisonment, floggings, interrogation by councils, even stoning to death with apparent joy. How was this? How was this? I ask myself. I think it's because they could see the freedom that is made available to all people through Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and that they were bringing this freedom to many. That is what motivated them. But, freedom from what? Unless we understand what the bondage looks like, and what the freedom looks like, we're not going to endure the trials of this world, as the early disciples did. So what does bondage look like, and what does freedom look like? Here is my whiteboard list. You might like to make one of your own. Under bondage, I've got negativity, fear, insecurity, guilt, self-doubt. Under freedom, I've got confidence, purpose, uh, discipline, motivation, and, dare I say it, prosperity. If in the safety briefing that you get in an aeroplane, you are told in the event of cabin depressurisation, to secure your own oxygen mask before helping anyone else. That may sound selfish, but unless you put on your own mask first, you will pass out and you won't be able to help anyone else anyway. In the same way, 
We need to experience the freedom Jesus gives us through the cross ourselves before we can bring others to the knowledge of that freedom. And, of course, that freedom will enable us to endure the trials that we experience like the first disciples did. So, will you join me in a prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for your cross. Thank you for the salvation your cross offers us. Help us to seize that salvation and overcome the powers of darkness that are at work in our lives. Help us to embrace the freedom that you've won for us and become all that you have been created us to be. Help us to joyfully share the knowledge of that freedom with others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.